0: There's like sort of a push and pull between the end user gaining benefits from all of this VC capital subsidizing versus obviously the returns that, you know, investors are, are looking to make on their capital.
1: Hey, listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us reach more listeners and bring you more exciting content in the future. Hello, and welcome to The Crypto Brief, a podcast from Fidelity Center for Applied Technology. Every week, we get together to discuss current events and trends in blockchain technology, tokenization, DeFi, NFTs, mining, and related aspects of the crypto ecosystem. I'm your co-host, Ryan Stubbe, Director of Bitcoin Mining, and I'm joined by Jason Ward, Head of the Blockchain Incubator, Parth Gargava, Product Architect with Fidelity Labs, and Jack Newrider, Research Associate with Avon Ventures. Before we begin, just a friendly reminder that this discussion is for educational purposes only and should not be viewed as investment advice or a recommendation for any security or asset. The views expressed are those of the co-hosts and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. As we all know, crypto as an asset class is highly volatile, can become illiquid at any time, and is only for those investors with a high risk tolerance. Let's dive into what's been happening recently. Hey. How are you? Hey Ryan? doing well. So we don't have we don't have um, Jason and Parth today. They're both out. Um, and since it's been so quiet, uh, kind of in the on the news side of things, I figured this would be a really good opportunity for us maybe to take a little bit of a step back and and kind of just level set on, you know, where the market's at, you know, where, where we're seeing sentiment um, and also kind of something we talk, you know, not too much about, which is really what's going on on the VC side of things, right? It's generally an indicator, maybe a lagging indicator of where um, the space is going, kind of overall health of, you know, the company's building in this space. And so, you know, I know in your role, you have, you know, some line of sight into this. Um, obviously we, we, you know, have seen some recent news stories in the last few weeks of, of raises starting to pick back up. And so, yeah, it just kind of got me thinking like, hey, maybe we should, you know, take a step back and talk about this. And so I guess just to kind of start the conversation off, Jack, do you mind just like providing, you know, again, on the market side of things, a little bit of a summary for those who maybe aren't watching it super closely as to what we've been seeing lately, um, particularly around sentiment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a few dynamics specific to crypto venture capital um, and and some of the things that we're seeing. But if we zoom out, um, there there was an article this week in The New York Times and I think this is uh, maybe a good place to start, which is just to think about the investment landscape, the private investment landscape, and, and like specifically venture capital um, and how the past like, Two years in particular, where we've seen kind of a turn from a macro perspective, where you know interest rates are higher, uncertainty around inflation, and just like where we're going to be uh, a year from now, from an economic standpoint, is higher, and that means that investors are naturally sort of becoming more risk averse or, or tightening their belts. Um, looking at there is an alternative, right? A lot of a lot of people are using the phrase "Tina." There, there is no alternative, or there are no alternatives now. There, there kind of is an alternative with risk-free rates at you know five and a half percent, and and there was a New York Times article specifically about uh, the VC environment, talking about some of the these companies that raised over the past you know five years or so, uh, raised a lot of money and then sort of just burned through it. Uh, WeWork was you know, one of the ones highlighted, but a handful of others. Um, it was called From Unicorns to Zombies, uh, <laughs> Tech Startups Run Out of Time and Money. And, and it really went through like, the fact that you know, approximately 3,200 private venture-backed U.S. companies have gone out of business in 2023. Collectively, they raised over $27 billion, according to some pitch book data. And, and we kind of have gone through this craze over the past like decade in terms of Venture capital being sort of a, a hot subject as you know, technology as a sector on the public equity side uh, has done really well. As you know, themes from cryptocurrency to AI have have been sort of the the theme of the day, and making early stage investments in those spaces is, is sort of like the hot investment thing to do. And we've seen, you know, now that the market environment has has sort of turned to some degree, we're seeing tech layoffs, we're seeing companies start to tighten their belt um, to think about like the actual cash runway that they have, because most of these early stage startup investments, they're burning cash every single month. And so you have effectively, like in the option world, you call it like a theta decay to your runway where there's a a time that at some point, your your business is no longer a going concern unless you raise capital again. And oftentimes, companies don't want to raise at a lower level than they did the, the time before, 6, 12, 18 months before, because they want to show you know, growth in you know, their underlying metrics of the business, but they also want to show growth uh, in, in confidence to their investors. And we're seeing, you know, like companies like Spotify, for instance, made headlines within the past few weeks that they're doing their third round of layoffs this year, cutting 17% of staff. And so some of the, you know, underneath the surface, some things are, are starting to seem like they're changing, um, where people are becoming a little bit more cognizant of how they're, they're allocating capital um, and businesses are, are sort of forced to respond, uh, these early stage businesses.
1: Yeah, I think the, um, your point around, you know, runway is really important, right? Because I think, you know, the, the ability to manage the cash that they have is ultimately going to be critical. But I do think that, you know, there is kind of a knock on effect there where to your point, when you start shedding costs and particularly in the crypto space, I, I feel like unless you're, you know, building in the infrastructure, or sorry, the hardware side of things, you know, a big part of your costs are going to be around human capital, right? And so when you start laying off, you know, swaths of your staff, I would assume in these smaller, leaner companies, right, you're you're getting less done, right? And so I, I guess the question there really is, okay, what are the longer term implications for the companies that are building, you know, particularly on the infrastructure side? Like, do we start to see less innovation? Like, do things start to move a little slower, um, at least in this interim period while where, you know their their ability to raise additional additional cash is is going to be inhibited, or they're just you know straight up not going to want to do it based on whatever you know the market conditions uh, what they are now. Yeah, I
0: think it's a fair point. If you theoretically, if an industry is flush with capital, like you will get capital misallocation to some certain degree where there's capital that funds projects that shouldn't have been funded, and those investors will suffer the consequences. And like overall, if you look at all investors as a whole, the more capital there is relative to, you know, a, a certain set of investment opportunities, the worse those forward returns will be just kind of mechanically, right? Because it will push valuations up. And you get the opposite effect, you know, when there's you know less capital in a space, but then maybe some projects go unfunded. And so I think from an end user perspective, having more capital flowing into startups, like if we just go back and think of like obvious ones like Uber and and Lyft, for instance, that, right, like that's like an easy one to,
1: to name. Um Yeah, well, and those those rooms, you know, at least when they were pre-public, you know, uh less, you know, greater cash burn than maybe what you'd see from your your standard smaller crypto company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh
0: but but like generally the idea of like now we're starting to see those companies are are trying to you know lower their burn and they're raising their prices. And so People are, are kind of accustomed to these cheap Ubers that were so much cheaper than taxis you know, five or 10 years ago when they were getting you know, significantly funded through this venture capital uh, pool. And then now they bootstrap their network effects. And now they're starting to shift into trying to create you know, underlying cash flows. And so they're raising their prices because they think they have adequate network effects. And you see there's like sort of a push and pull between the end user gaining benefits uh, from all of this vC capital subsidizing you know some of these applications that they get to use or funding things and building things out that maybe wouldn't have been built out had there not been a ton of capital you know funding these various ideas versus obviously the returns that you know investors are are looking to make on their capital there's sort of always that constant push and pull um, between the two i think and you're starting to see maybe a little bit of a shift in that and 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 then maybe just to kind of make this more of a a crypto specific tangible conversation. I think what we're seeing right now is a lot of startups are thinking about like the market environment and how it's changing, where over the summer, I would argue it was a lot quieter. There were, you know, significantly less deals happening. And and we can see in the data that as recent as Q3, like you know, there's there's data from Pitchbook that I pulled. And if you look at effectively just a drawdown in the number of deals and the value uh, that's flowing into those deals, that was basically a linear line down from Q1 2022 uh, all the way through Q3 is where the data stops. So we saw 11 billion dollars flow into about 1,100 companies in Q1 2022. That was the top of crypto venture funding, and now as of Q3, you know we had about. $2 2 billion dollars over the quarter funding 200 companies. And I think right now what you're having a lot of people say is, well, maybe we have Bitcoin ETFs coming. We have the Bitcoin halving, Bitcoin historically moves in these kind of four-year cycles, and if you kind of run that math, you would think that, you know, maybe we're we're towards the end of a bear market and like not to say, you know, predicting what's going to happen one way or another. But I do think that, you know, some of these founders are looking at like their cash runway and saying like, oh, if I can just get through these next, you know, six, 12 months, maybe the market starts to turn. And then in effect, that impacts, you know, the the venture funding landscape. And then allows me to raise in maybe a a little bit of a more constructive environment for me uh, as the founder versus the investor. Because there's always sort of this, To some degree, standoff, and I think you're seeing that in the number of deals that are actually funded, you know, this year versus last year.
1: Well, and I I think even in the most recent quarter, right? Like, you know, and I think this is a good segue when we when we think about kind of sentiment and the shift that we've seen, right? Obviously, the last, you know. Few months, uh, last few weeks, you know, we've seen a notable shift in sentiment, particularly around you know what's perceived to be the you know approval of an ETP, which is you know I think bode bode well for for crypto prices, particularly Bitcoin um, and Ether. But the question that kind of immediately comes to my head is okay, you know, in this theoretical right, this th- still theoretical uh, scenario where we get an ETP approval what does that actually really mean for the VC space and really for the companies that these VCs are funding, right? Because I think like, okay, okay, yes, you can have, you know, you have this sentiment shift and there's, there's a certain momentum that would come along with that, right? But when you think about kind of the individual areas where the money has gone and presumably would continue to go it's not immediately related to any kind of you know institutional financial product right it's it's in the the web3 space it's in the DeFi space it's in the you know infrastructure and development tools space right so i I wonder like okay is there a relationship there and kind of how strong is the correlation in terms of you know these companies ability to raise cash on the coattails of perhaps some other positive uh, developments happening elsewhere in the space.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a fair question to ask, which obviously I don't know the answer to, which is like, right. yeah. if you have It's more of like a rhetorical. Yeah. yeah, like if you have something constructive happen for Bitcoin, and even you could even bring this down to just the token level and throw a venture out the window of like, something constructive happens for Bitcoin, but yet like the rest of crypto is getting excited about that. But it's like, well, it's only technically happening to Bitcoin. But like Bitcoin is is ultimately like the ultimate beta to crypto. And so I do think that like that piece is constructive is like, okay, if you have Bitcoin in a, a registered investment product that's you know, approved and, and regulated by the SEC, that starts to be obviously constructive for Bitcoin specifically. But then I think that kind of trickles down and everybody's looking at it as like, oh, okay, now regulators are are starting to come along uh to this space whether or not they actually are you know the narrative i think will probably play that way and and people are looking at it as if if that's approved and that is constructive for market prices then maybe that helps me as a founder because you know if i'm building some piece of infrastructure around the digital asset space if digital assets are worth more and people have a positive outlook on them um, then there's probably going to be more funding available um, and more willingness for investors to accept higher valuations.
1: Yeah, and the regulatory piece, I think, is an important call out, right? And I think that kind of leads us into the next part of the discussion, which is, okay, the, you have the fundraising, what, is, what are exits look like, right? And I think regulatory clarity could potentially have a very significant impact on the ability for these VCs to exit their investments, right? Whether it's through acquisitions or you know in the public markets yeah. um and I think like we haven't there isn't really a great track record here right like coinbase obviously is is probably the most notable I mean, when you look at the data we were kind of you know chuckling earlier it, it it definitely skews the numbers a bit right when you when you look at these exits historically where you have basically a flat line a huge explosion and then it flat lines again right um and then you know but outside of the coinbase ipo we haven't really seen a ton of activity particularly on the public side of things
0: yeah you i mean you basically have only had one meaningful ipo uh and that was that was coinbase like i said in 2021 but as we look forward like i think there's two things that happen if you start to get a more constructive regulatory environment into next year one is the potential for some of these like unicorns that are late stage to consider going public and the other is what does it mean if TradFi. Is now able to have more regulatory clarity and able to offer more in terms of digital asset, you know, product offerings or services. Like, there's a potential for acquisitions from, you know, tradfi institutions that don't have their own uh, custodians or,
1: or pieces right. of infrastructure to be able to go out and potentially the build, the build versus buy, right? Because at that point, like, if you do start to see that type of momentum, and yeah, to your point, like. There's there's more clarity on the regulatory side. Companies that aren't, you know, actively building in the space now and probably for the last few years would find them themselves at a rather precarious position with needing to keep, you know, keep pace with the rest of the market. Yep. Right. And so that could I think there's a whole host of, you know, opportunity on the acquisition side then for the for the companies that are building in the space. Yeah,
0: certainly. And then like sort of on the IPO side, and this is not to speculate on any of these companies in particular, but like circle. There was a Bloomberg article a few weeks ago that potentially they're thinking about IPOing in 2024. I think a lot of this will be, you know, dependent on the market environment and where you know crypto from a regulatory uh, perspective continues to evolve over the next you know six and 12 months. But you know, Circle is a potential name, and then Kraken, Chainalysis, Bitwise, uh, some of these custodians like Anchorage or Fireblocks, Alchemy, like there are a number of you know potentially billion dollar plus companies that could ipo if the market conditions are right and if you know that's what you know investors want which i would think that want, yeah. you know getting some exit liquidity would be something that is desirable for at least some of these investors i would assume
1: so, I guess as we think about the remainder of this year and, and into this, into the next year, right? I think, you know, we've, we've, it seems like, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this, we have seen, you know, a slight uptick, I would say, even in the last month, month and a half, right? In deals that are being announced. And it seems to me that some of these deals have been in the pipeline for a really long time, or, you know, it's kind of like we're just finding out about them now, but they were really done, you know, last year, right? So, I think that maybe skews it a little bit. But any thoughts on like, you know, know, probably like the next six months, like do you think we're still in a holding pattern, right? Or do you do you, you know see that we may start to see, you know, a little bit more volume on the on the deal making side of things.
0: I mean, I think a lot of it ultimately is gonna hinge on where does the market go? Um and then it's where does crypto market prices go? And then where is this, you know, from a macro perspective, where are we headed? Um, which I obviously don't have the answers to either of those. Um yeah. but it, I, I don't think anyone
1: really does. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs>
0: but it it does seem like, okay, the the market environment that existed in like 2021 into early 2022, like that seems like it was sort of peak euphoria. And you had things going on in traditional markets uh that were you know emblematic of what was going on in crypto as well in crypto venture, where you had a lot of funding taking place in a large number of deals. Now it seems like you've maybe kind of bottomed out. Um, but I think that the biggest question that needs to be answered here is, do these companies need to be marking down? Um, like, do we see revaluation in these companies or are there enough tailwinds that come through in crypto market prices where VCs are comfortable funding these deals um, at similar prices to what we saw in 2022. Because if we look at the data, like if you look at seed stage startups, early stage venture investments, and late stage investments, like across all three categories, according to pitch book data, like as of Q3 2023, we really haven't seen a huge drop in terms of uh, the actual pre-money valuations. That these companies are getting funded at, but what we have seen is we've seen a large reduction in the number of deals that have taken place. And so what's happening is you basically have a standoff, and like that's going to end one way or another. It's either these companies are going to have to capitulate because they don't have enough runway, right? Because maybe the market doesn't turn or you know the the venture funding environment uh, doesn't change, and so the these founders are forced to raise it lower valuations, which is starting to happen a little bit. Um, or maybe the market turns when they have to raise in you know three, six, twelve months, the market has turned enough such that investors um are going to have to follow with funding at you know higher valuations.
1: Yeah. And I mean that's very consistent with what we're seeing in other parts of the market, right? Like I think we were chatting a bit about this earlier. You know, you mentioned corporate real estate. I think it's a good, it's a good parallel, right? Um everything kind of seems to be sitting in suspense and everyone is trying to maximize whatever run, you know, runway that they have yep. in order to try and sustain, you know, sustain the current market environment. Yeah.
0: And that's what you get with uh, an illiquid market, right? Those, right? These are private markets. And that's the same thing with all these you know, commercial real estate deals. It's like, okay, well, if I can keep paying, you know, scrounging quarters out of the You know, crevices of the couch in order to pay my mortgage payment every single month on whatever this piece of real estate is. As long as I can keep making the payment, that's fine. But then if I hit a maturity wall, which is like the big thing in commercial real estate, is like a lot of these loans are like five or 10 years and then there's a balloon payment or you effectively you would refi it but then if you have to refi it at a higher rate or you have to mark down the value uh of the of the actual piece of real estate well then your loan to value gets all out of whack and like you can't refinance it so you have to hand the keys back to the bank right so like okay you're in this kind of standoff period of time and there's so much just broader macro uncertainty, I think, underneath the surface. Um, and that's the same thing here in these crypto markets. Is like, okay, well, if we can tighten our belts a little bit, if we can make sure that we survive into you know midway through next year or you know one year out, maybe we're hopeful that the market turns. And maybe it does, or maybe it doesn't. But then at the end of that 12 month period, we'll probably get our answer. And you know one way or another the market's going to recalibrate and there will be you know a, you know an increase in the number of deals whether it be at a lower valuation or at a higher valuation because the market environment has changed again
1: yeah yeah no i mean it's it's really interesting and your point i, I unless you have a crystal ball it's really almost impossible at, you know f- from where we're sitting right now to understand where it's ultimately going to end up um, but i do think it's worthwhile always taking a step back right because to your point like the macro environment doesn't look particularly rosy right and it, it feels to me like uh, particularly in the crypto space people are tending to you're, have a tendency to gloss over that right now right they're very reactive to to news and sentiment in general right and and we've had you know the, you know, a bunch of you know relatively positive developments recently, right? But I think there are still some fundamental questions underneath the surface that need to be worked out before we, you know, know know with any certainty kind of where the uh, the next twelve months is going to take us. Totally. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, this was a really great discussion. I'm, gl- I'm glad that we, it was a slow news week, <laughs> right? Um, that we had the opportunity to do this. Um, and, you know, thanks. Just, you know, want to thank you again for your, for your commentary and your perspective. Um, and we'll be back next week. I, I think I said that we were going to have the band back together this week, last week, but I think we're actually going to have the band back together next week. So uh, looking forward uh, to closing out the year with all of you um, next week and, you know, have a great rest of your week. Thanks. See you.
2: Crypto as an asset class is highly volatile, can become illiquid at any time, and is for investors with a high risk tolerance. Crypto may also be more susceptible to market manipulation than securities. Crypto is not insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or the Securities Investor Protection Corporation. Investors in crypto do not benefit from the same regulatory protections applicable to registered securities. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. This podcast was produced by the Fidelity Center for Applied Technology, also known as FCAT. FCAT does not offer digital assets nor provide clearing or custody of such assets. It is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide tax, legal, insurance, or investment advice and should not be construed as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation for any security or other asset by any Fidelity entity or third party. Views expressed are as of the date indicated Based on the information available at the time and may change based on market or other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. Fidelity and any other third parties mentioned in the podcast are independent entities and are not affiliated. Mentioning them does not suggest a recommendation or endorsement by Fidelity. This information is not intended for distribution to or use by. Any person or entity in any jurisdiction or country where such distribution would or use would be contrary to local law or regulation, persons accessing this information are required to inform themselves about and observe such restrictions. Third-party trademarks appearing herein are the property of their respective owners. All others are the property of FMR LLC. Copyright 2023 FMR LLC. All rights reserved. One zero four zero one five six.